0: Hey guys, it's Mal and Jason from Binge Mode. We wanted to tell you about the Ringers' upcoming Binge Mode Rewatchables mashup live event on Wednesday, January 24th at Largo at the Coronet
1: right here in Los Angeles. It'll be me, Jason Concepcion, Mallory Rubin, Shay Serrano and Bill Simmons for a high school football spectacular covering Friday night lights and varsity blues. So put on your shoulder pads or your whipped cream bikini. Mm. Let's go, goddammit! Head to largo-la.com to purchase your tickets now. Clear eyes. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Full hearts. Don't snooze. Buy your tickets now for Wednesday, January 24th at Largo at
0: the Coronet in Los Angeles. Yeah!
1: Welcome to gm Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Championship Sunday. It is Sunday evening, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing?
0: I'm good, Tate Frazier. I think we owe the city of Philadelphia a tremendous apology. We made fun of them all year for buying all that parade stuff. You know, back in week 8, week 9, week 10, we said, look, you're buying parade crap. They're crazy to buy it.
1: We didn't even say they were buying anything like confetti. No, they, we were they, saying they were planning the route around town. I mean, they, were, they we already had all, the cars. They, look, there's in. no everything confetti. Set up.
0: Amazon has no confetti. left. They <laughs> bought all the confetti back in week 10. And you know what? They look really smart. I mean, they look brilliant today. I mean, they look brilliant today. The city of Philly, I don't know if there'll be a city of Philly there by 5 o'clock tomorrow morning because they'll be able to tear that baby down. I mean, they're going to go crazy. and. and what a great win for the city. It was unbelievable on a day where they just dominated the number one defense in football. That was pretty amazing.
1: And the way that this game opened up, it, it opened up like it, it was favoring the, the Minnesota Vikings. They come down, they do what they did against the right. Saints last week. They have this perfect drive. They go up 7-0. It was silent in Philadelphia. Silent. They, they, yeah, silent. It was, they would even mention it. Joe Buck said you can hear a pin drop, and you felt that uneasiness in there. And then all of a sudden— you know, Nick Foles just becomes Carson Wentz reincarnated and they just take this game
0: over and blow him out. Yeah, their defense took over. I mean, their defense makes that play. And look, I I um I've said this before. In fact I tweeted it. Look, you get Carson Wentz to become a good player. You know, I was apprehensive. Obviously, I, I said things about Peterson not being qualified and I apologize last week, but getting Foles to play this well, I mean, mm. to me, that's really separates himself. My hat's off to him with great respect because that's a hard thing to do. I mean, there's been a lot of guys coach Foles, and not a lot of them have had success. Chip Kelly did that one year. We only threw two interceptions, had 27 touchdown passes. But to me, this was a different Foles, really confident, and against a really good – on third and 10, he started looking like Carson Wentz again, you know, and he was his eye level stayed up in the pocket – you know, there's something going on there that they're doing with quarterbacks that it's just if it happens once with Wentz, okay, he's an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. It's happened twice now, so you got to say, hey Lombardi, you're an idiot, you're stupid. You know that that was wrong. You were wrong to say those things because the guy obviously has proven to be a good play caller and to be a good quarterback co- coach, and he's got that team playing at a level that. You know they believe they're winning with their backup quarterback,
1: and they believe in Pro Bowl Foles. I mean that's what we're seeing right now. We're right. seeing them playing at that exact level that we once saw in 2013. And I think the biggest play to show that and showcase that was this Minnesota defense does not give up big plays. Right. That's, that's something this whole season they have not turned the ball over. They've not given up big plays on defense. The 53 yard touchdown pass that he throws to Jeffrey, where the pocket is completely collapsing, he's got hands all over him. He somehow shuffles away and throws a deep ball and, and gets a big touchdown. And, and that
0: to me was the one where his eye level never went down. The like when usually when you Got that many people around you. You're worried who's going to hit you next year. Eye level comes down. Eye level is everything about the quarterback. And so when his eye level doesn't drop, that's what made Wentz so spectacular. His eye level never dropped all year, and so he kept looking down the field. And it's the same thing that's going on now with Foles. His eye level staying up the field. And Minnesota, I mean, look, they're no slouch on third down defense. They're the best third. They were record-setting third down defense. And now I know they were playing on the road, all that, but that typically, you know, Minnesota's played well on the road. They were six and two on the road this year. They've always. on that against foals that make them look that bad i mean they dominated that game it was really it was it was over and you got to take your hat off i mean the eagles give you a lot of different formations they do a lot of different things it's that it's that west coast college version of offense run pass options but with the power run game inside and the ability of the quarterback to look down the field today they were way too much i mean it was really that was an impressive win
1: and I want to talk about a little bit about the the dome theory. So there is this stat: the dome teams that go on the road in these championship games, they yeah. were zero and twelve. And now it's going to be zero thirteen. And Minnesota is a team that's built for outdoor. I mean, obviously they're a physical run team, right. and then you have the defense to back it up. But for whatever reason, you know, the Eagles, you know, you know, they put their will in this game and they made it happen. And, they and made it was that a defense. warm weather we, we, game. Yeah. It wasn't
0: even like a cold day for Minnesota. Like mm-hmm. you know, Minnesota it tackled worth a darn in the first half, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get off the field on third down in the first half. The Eagles' offensive line really held in there, and Foles was good in the pocket. And like even on the first drive of the game, you know. You got a sense that well the Eagles defense they kind of did a couple things they got them off kilter, but then in the second half when the Eagles when the Eagles when they when Minnesota tried to block it was one of the worst protections you'll ever see. It's when they slide the line completely away and they have an end or a back. In this case Minnesota had a tight end trying to block a defensive end, and ultimately that that play that sack fumble that created it, that was going to be points right there. Mm-hmm. And then the Eagles come right down the field and, make, and, and score again. So, you know, their defense gets two touchdowns. Their offense never took the foot off the gas in the game the whole time. They blocked them up front. I mean, this was truly – and this is the thing about this game, tape Frazier, what I do Angelo Cataldi every Friday in Philadelphia, and I get – you know, he, he's always constantly, you know, giving me crap about Doug and all that. And, I, and, I, and that morning, at, and I think I did the show at 540 L.A. time, I picked the Eagles – you know, because I thought, okay, the Eagles are probably going to win this. And then the longer the day went, when we did our show, I picked it. I said, nah, I'm going to change I'm going back to Minnesota, you know, And because I didn't think that Foles would ever be able to be this good on third down. Like, I've been saying this all year about the Eagles. Like, how can they be this good on third down? Mm-hmm. And Wentz leaves, and I said, okay, now things are going to get back to normal on third down. And they did. And now Foles is doing it again, and I'm like, okay, I give up.
1: And we have Wentz on the sideline now. For He's coaching. Haven't. So he is sitting next to Foles. He's got the, the Microsoft Surface. They're going back and forth. They're showing plays. He said Peterson's in his headset on the field, and that you know, keeps him confident, keeps him comfortable. Then when he goes to the sideline, he has Wentz there now. I mean, is there something to say? I mean, I don't think we've seen – I mean, we talked about Wentz being MVP, but for him to be able to get Foles to almost like be able to play like him on the field at yeah. this point, I mean, it's yeah. insane. He
0: is playing like him, and I mean, you know, they got a good job of reading the coverages. I mean, Minnesota's schemes on third down particularly are not that easy to protect. Tech. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job Philadelphia blocking them. They couldn't block Oakland schemes on third down when they played Oakland a few weeks ago. They've done a good job of blocking here. So, you know, look, I think Philly took it right to them. I thought there was a couple plays in the game that I thought the Eagle defense was really, really good. And one of them was and and Aikman, you know, never really explained it on television, but they took Malcolm Jenkins and they he went out with the back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so. Case Keenum sees Malcolm Jenkins go out to cover the back. He brings the back in. That's what we call an indicator in football, right? So they indicate what the coverage is. When the back comes in, if the back, if somebody went with them, a safety, a corner, a linebacker, then you know it's man. Okay, if he comes back with them, you got it. Okay, now we're going to run our play. So they bring him back. Schwartz brings Malcolm Jenkins. Instead of covering the back, he checks it to the linebacker and brings Malcolm Jenkins onto the other side and blitzes him off the corner. It hits Keenum right in the mouth, has no chance. It was really, really good. And that kind of stuff is what's going to give New England a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. they want to breed the coverage too and Keenum never had a chance to figure it out.
1: And on the first touchdown drive, we had that with Cal Rudolph where they sent out Latavius Murray, a guy that just caught 15 balls in the season. They sent him out. They had to check their progression. They had to figure out who was, was matching up with who, and that's how they get the first touchdown. Right. So Schwartz makes the adjustment moving forward that we're going to check off that, and it, it, was, it all comes full circle.
0: Right. I mean, and that's why I, when that play happened the first time, I'm telling Millie they're all screwed up on defense. You know, mm-hmm. they're they, you know, next thing you know, they're a seven cut for a touchdown. And Good's in. He's playing. He's yeah, back he can't figure it out. Now, yeah. you know, that, that was – and then they got it fix. That's all about football. It's like how do you adjust the game, right? I think that's why. I think you got to give the Eagles a ton of credit. I mean, they've adjusted the game. They were able to figure it out, and they do the stuff with with where they force you to. Ta- Minnesota's tackling today was as bad as I've ever seen it. Like Minnesota was like really bad at tackling. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something they were six and two on the road. They usually typically have never played like that before. But today, the Eagles made them play like that. And
1: they had a lot of one on one matchups on the outside, where we saw Barr, a guy that usually makes all these big plays and big tackles on the outside, one on one, didn't quite wasn't able to pull put guys down when he had when he had the matchup on the outside. And then we saw Xavier Rhodes battling injuries, and and as the game wore on, it just seemed like the Eagles wore him out. And they took
0: their will. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's the one thing I think about the Eagles is they took their will out of them. The Eagles were pretty tough. I mean, they could have gone in the tank, and you know, and they got that play from the defense, but the when the offense moved the ball down the field, but their will was way stronger. I think they relished this underdog role. They utilized it really well. I said earlier in the year when they played the Raiders, the road through Philly won't be a problem because when you watch that team, you're thinking, "Oh, that's not that's not going to be hard to win in Philly." And I think if you're Atlanta today, Tate Frazier, mm-hmm. you got to be saying to yourself, "Man, let's go! Can we have those four plays again back on the nine yard line?" Because you're sitting there saying, like you could see it, like right there last week, that Atlanta had to eat the Philadelphia almost beat. And when you have a team that believes in itself, like this team does, and you almost have them beat and you can't quite beat them, they come back stronger the next week. Mm -hmm. And I think that's
1: what the Eagles did. And we had the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it was almost – a little bit I don't want to say a letdown game for for what happened last week but the whole miracle the whole context of the situation the whole build up and everyone kind of pinning them as the team of destiny then they go on the road and Philadelphia obviously hits them in the mouth I want to talk about the end of the half and how that whole thing transpired so we had the Derek Barnett fumble with Case Keenum where this point is 14 to 7 in the game a chance for them to get a field goal or anything cut it to 14 to 10 and Barnett has has a perfect pass rush situation where he's 1 on 1 with the tight end forces the fumble they get the big turnover and then they had the Alshon-Jeffrey touchdown to get a two-touchdown On third and 10. On third and 10.
0: Now, 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 going into that play, they had not converted a third and 10 since Carson Wentz did it against the Rams. Mm -hmm. That's how bad they've been on third down. And in this game, there's a magical moment. That was December 10th. December 10th. This magical moment of third and long all of a sudden came back into the Eagle offense. It was like – God opened the doors. It was remarkable, and he makes that play. And they got that that play, he should be sacked on. I mean, there's no way he makes that throw. I, I would have said that was a Wentz play, mm-hmm. but to me, that's when I said, okay, this is over with. I mean, that's what I think when I called you and said, let's go to the studio earlier <laughs> to tape this because this is over with.
1: Yeah, we came right in. And then uh, not only that, I mean, not, to add insult to injury, where it's 21-7, it's a two-possession game. Obviously, you're down two touchdowns, but the Vikings have the ball. They're driving again. They end up having to punt. And then you're you're just thinking if you're the Eagles, you're just gonna go into half, take a two touchdown lane, it'll be fine. But no, they press, they go aggressive, they get down and they make it a three possession game. It's twenty four to seven and that that was pretty much it. Yeah, all you she could wrote. see
0: that, that, that Foles was feeling it, right? They they had this belief that Foles just could deal it and he was put the ball where he wanted to, when he wanted to, in the perfect spot. I mean, Foles made himself a lot of money today, Tay Frazier. Mm-hmm. I mean Foles made himself a lot of money today. I mean, there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback and you know, people are gonna say, Well, there's Foles, there he is. He's that guy who went to the Pro Bowl, you know, and so so he made a lot of money. People say, "Well, Case Keenum didn't make a lot of money." You know, Case Keenum still has a whole season of playing well. This game, I think, a lot of Vikings player they got behind. I mean, this is the thing that that makes it so difficult. is you get behind on the road, it's hard against a team that's built to rush the passer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles are the ultimate complementary team, right? They're the ultimate, we're going to get the lead, we're going to score early, we're going to win the first half. It's the way they beat everyone all season. Right. We're going to jump out in front of everybody. I mean, they beat the, they beat this team today like they beat Denver, like they beat mm-hmm. all these other teams that came through there.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say uh, a little tip of the cap to uh Barnett getting that big play, having a Tennessee guy, you know, a guy that broke Reggie White's record yeah. at Tennessee, uh, the sack record he hit at Tennessee, to come in and make that big play. It was sort of eerie, you know, kind of all spiraled in the right direction for all. You the know, that, fans. that's been
0: the to me that's been the biggest success of the Eagles this year. Is is you got to give them credit. Howie Roseman, the front office, they've done a good job. Of getting depth in that defensive line. I think that's been the difference. And it's, I think what we saw, and we'll talk about this later, but I think what we saw in Jacksonville game when the defensive line tires and you're, and you're, everything is tied to the front, you know, and it tires, then all of a sudden, like what happened with Brady in the fourth quarter, things start to fall apart. But this team's had to be able to rotate players, keep guys on the field. And by doing that, they've been fresh and they've been rushing. I mean, Chris Long looks like a completely different player this year than he did last mm-hmm. year. Barnett's a different player. Vinny Curry's a different player. I mean, you got to get tip your hat to him. I mean, their defense, their speed of their defense, even though it's not quite to the level of Jacksonville, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, when you saw the, the the Chris Long recovered that fumble that Barnett forced, and you saw him pick up the ball, and you know the whole place went crazy. And at that point, it felt like it was the end of the game. A quick tangent on just Mike Zimmer and the Vikings and the season that they had uh, with Case Keenum. I know Case Keenum isn't necessarily going to be deemed the, the franchise quarterback. We don't know if he'll come back and be the guy for the Vikings at this point, but just their entire run this season, I mean, what can you say for that? You know, it was sad I, to see him go out yeah, like this. Yeah, I mean, if
0: they, look, Dalvin Cook, they lose. They've overcome him. McKinnon, I thought, played really well. Lamont Murray played well, too. But I think they got to figure out who's their quarterback. Is it, is it going to be Sam Bradford? I don't think it can be because Sam Bradford looks good until he has to play a lot. He mm-hmm. can play a game or two, but does he have to play a lot? He's got bone on bone on his knee. That's never going to be good. He doesn't throw the ball, chuck it down the field like you want him to. That's not going to be good. They're losing their coordinator who did a really good job. I thought Pat Sherman did a really good job. There was a couple calls. The, the first interception, I got kind of thinking like, you know, play to your strength. Like, don't take that much of a risk. Like, you know, you can't really block him up front. Like, you almost should have treated him a little bit like Blake Bortles. That being said, the guy made a horrible throw. I know Chris Long batted, kind of distorted the throw, but even, that were, that guy was an open over there anyway. That was yeah. a bad read. So
1: and good for Patrick Robinson, a, a former Colt, a guy that some people thought was a bust at one time, having a big play. In, huge. in the NFC I Championship mean, yeah, game. I mean, they
0: played well. And so now, you know, so now you got that situation. So you're going to have to get another coordinator in there. Is it Ben McAdon? I doubt that. Right? <laughs> okay. If good luck if He'll they do. He'll be in Cleveland, hopefully. No, no, I think it's going to be Todd Haley in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Anyway, that'd be another. Interesting one. Can you imagine Haley and Hugh arguing on the sideline? That'd be a tr- that. You pay for that. That's that called reality be, TV. That is. you can put it on Bravo. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we can put that on Bravo. So you know, I, the Vikings have a lot of. They got to get their line better, and they got to figure out who's their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Is it Bridgewater? I can't tell you whether it's. No one can tell you other than people in the Viking organization who've watched Bridgewater practice. I can't tell you it's going to be Bridgewater.
1: The only thing we hear about Bridgewater really is that Zimmer loves him. That's pretty much the only right. thing that comes but out.
0: They, he doesn't love him enough to make sure that he's dressed. They dressed Bradford because they felt Bradford was more ready to come in in a relief role.
1: And he did say, Zimmer, I think before the game, not uh, maybe before, this is before the Saints game, he said that if they got down, there was a chance that they would put in Bradford. To, yeah. If they needed someone to throw the ball right. uh, to kind of catch up in a game. And then obviously after last week's game, there's no way you can bench Keenum regardless of the situation. But Keenum's
0: a smaller guy. I, you know, I think when, when a good defensive front forces him to have to step and throw the ball and drive it, there's a couple times where, look, I don't put this game on Case Keenum at all. I mean, this no. game, really, Mike Zimmer's going to get on that airplane and say, look, we sucked on third down. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be the best defense in football, and we gave up over 30 points to a backup quarterback. Like – Hey, if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to win at 17-13. We're not going to win it 38-34. No chance, right? I mean, I thought I would I said play the under in that game because I thought it was going to be a field position punt kind of game. I didn't think the Eagles could move the ball that well, nor did I think Minnesota would move the ball to a degree as what they did. So to me, that's why Minnesota lost. Minnesota lost because their defense, which was so good, didn't play well. Is that the Eagles or is that Minnesota? I think it was a little bit of both today.
1: Yeah, and we should say, I mean, Zimmer before the game, he said they were going to win this game by hitting foals and hitting them early. They never did. And, and they never even got they to them. They never him. got
0: near them. They couldn't get, they blocked, that's that's why, to me, Peterson won me over today because usually his protections are so bad that people can attack him. And the best blitzer, to me, the best designer of blitzes is Mike Zimmer in the league. He does a great job of it. He usually gets guys coming home free. Actually, on the touchdown down pass to, to Torrey Smith, the one uh, – no, to Jeffries deep down the field. Yeah, Sean, yep. Yeah, I mean, Barr standing there, like I think Barr was supposed to come and he never went. He would have cleaned up the pocket had he gone. He stayed in there. He wasn't sure what to do. They were in really never in rhythm today on defense. And that had a lot to do with because Foles was always in rhythm.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was a vintage performance for Nick Foles. We we know that he's going to be beloved in Philadelphia for oh a long God. time. Oh my God! did not have to buy one.
0: a drink either. I mean, you know, I mean, hell, he gave Tanya a two hundred dollar tip. We remember that we heard that story, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, he's going to be a lot of Philly cheesesteaks for the next few yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, free. Tanya's
0: able to go back to Budokan and wait on him again. Now she give <laughs> him a two thousand dollar tip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, at, least, at least, especially you know, the new contract. In case comes. anybody didn't know that story, one of the one of the people that work here, Tanya Hubbard, girl that does all our. Uh, Helps with the audio, video. You know, one thing about the ringer, everybody does a thousand jobs, right? <laughs> she does them all, uh-huh. and so she's waitressing back in her day when she was living in Philadelphia at Budokan. And so, um, Nick Foles and his wife comes in and really kind of when know, he's
1: the franchise QB, I'm assuming. when he was the franchise
0: yes. QB, and you know he has such an you know she has an infectious mm-hmm. personality. He kind of notices it right away, and so when he leaves, gives her a two hundred dollar tip. Not like Shady McCoy gives a dollar tip.
1: And <laughs> life goes on. Yeah. It's a pretty nice setup. Way to go, Tanya. Congratulations on yeah. that. Um, I hope she
0: doesn't mind me sharing that story. I think it's a good story for Nick Foles. It's a great
1: story. It just makes you like Nick Foles because you know he's a good Exactly. Anyone that tips like that is a good man. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Should we move on to the Jaguars and the Patriots, or or, or should we – any more final thoughts for the Philadelphia people? We should say we're excited about the parade route. It looks like it could possibly happen. I am
0: going to tell you right now, Tate Frazier, I'm going to pick Philadelphia in the Super Bowl come hell or high water. I think it's a horrendous matchup for New England. Yes. I do. I've said this to you off the air. That front four. Well, I I think it's a horrendous matchup, and this will lead into what we're going to talk about. What Jacksonville did in the first half, running Kansas City's style of offense, spread the field, force you to play inside with power and then attack the edges that's been that's been the kryptonite for New England and that's what Philly does all the time
1: and let's talk about it uh the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game they came out. They showed some real, uh, some real guts. So some real guts in the second quarter to get ahead in this one. A lot of people were excited. Me, I, I had trepidation the whole time because I was waiting for Tom Brady, uh, fourth quarter time, to come down and score the game-winning touchdown as he, he is did. prone to do. Um, but in this one, Blake Bortles and the Jaguars' defense, especially, really showed up and had a great, uh, great effort. And uh, it looked, it looked promising for a little while, but right. then uh, big time Tom came in. Let's
0: work backwards. So I think what, Jackson, what Jacksonville did was Jacksonville said, look, if we try to pretend we're going to run this ball with Leonard Fournette and mm-hmm. line up in jumbo and attack them that'll play right into their strength so what they did was give them tons of credit they went back and took the kansas city opening day game plan and they kind of molded that game plan into what really can bother new england spread the field horizontally right and then to force new england to run the ball inside throw quick bubble screens make it a space game make it a horizontal space game and then still have some power inside and stay out of a lot of third and downs and long. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And Bortles executed that well. I mean, he's threw some. Now, some of those stop fades, I'm not sure they were stop fades. They were, to me, look like bad throws that the receivers made great catches on. Notwithstanding, I thought Bortles played as well as he could play in that first half. I don't think he could do anything different. I think the thing that killed that team more than anything was the delay of the game penalty. And if you want to blame Bortles for anything, coming off the timeout, he had the clock go down. And I saw it when he completed that third-and-ten pass over there on Malcolm Butler. To Mercedes Lewis. To Mercedes, right? It made a great catch, mm-hmm. and it got called back because of the delay game penalty. To me, that was the difference, really. If you want to make one thing the difference in the first in the game, to me that was it because yep. that forced him to punt. And that gave the New England the ball back to get it back in the end of the second to get it back, and they got it back down the field and scored.
1: Yep, and uh, we should say, we were talking about the, the way that they were attacking the Patriots. The way they were doing that was this Corey Grant play and it was the same little play where they set up this screen where Lewis is ahead blocking him, Grant's behind him, they just get downhill a little screen play. But then they had another option out of that. They they ran the same play again later in the game, and then they handed it off inside right. to Fortnette, who had this nice right. little sweep play up all, the middle.
0: All Kansas City stuff. Uh-huh. All Kansas City, all stuff Philly does regularly. Uh-huh. Okay, they do it all. It's run pa- but I don't think Jacksonville was doing it with a run pass option. I don't think they were they were they were they were gonna our, hand our, it off.
1: You know, Tony Romo, everything is a run yeah, pass option right. at this point. But
0: I don't think it was. I think it they were gonna I think they just did it, but what they did was they forced New England to defend the 53 yards of the field with, Mm -hmm. which then softened them up inside, and then it made it a space game because as bad as Minnesota tackled in space today against Philadelphia, I thought New England will tackle way worse than that, and so you know that that became a real problem for them, and they moved the ball effortlessly down the field. They got them in a lot of third downs, and Bortles was able to convert those third downs. I thought Fournette ran hard. You know, there's a couple times. Bortles had a chance if he hits, if he has a chance to get the ball over that noise head for that wheel route. You know there was some things there, uh, but they he didn't quite make the throw, and it was you know that kind of cost him a little bit.
1: And we did see Hearns. Hearn's had a great game. He he showed up. I think he had six for eighty. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the uh, the situation with Gronk. So Gronk takes the big hit down the right. middle of the field, um, and then he goes after a concussion protocol. Is out for the rest of the game, and then from there, you know, you know, people start freaking out. They they don't know what's going to go on with this offense without Gron- Gronkowski out there. But then there's a young man by the name of Danny Amendola who's um who's completely unstoppable.
0: Yeah, he really is. I mean, Danny Amendola is, you know, he's a guy who's always had a, a big contract, had to redo his contract he got to kind of get it back into normal things. Great team player, great teammate. You know, he and Julian Edelman, even though they kind of play similar roles, I mean, look,
1: they're one Walt, and the same. It's they, amazing. they really are. It's they, like thing
0: they, one and thing two. I mean, when you think of some big games and some clutch moments, you Danny Amadola's name has to come. I mean, we play Baltimore in a game. We're down two touchdowns twice. Amadola makes some plays in that game that gets you back in there. Makes some tough inside catches. You know, that third and seventeen. I think when when Doug Marone's on third that and eighteen. A- Third and eighteen. When he's on that airplane flying home tonight, I think that's the one that I think I think if he would have put a little bit if they'd have played man to man, rut you know, kinda of forced Brady to make a tighter throw, looked like they got some zone in there. That's the one of those that kept that drive going, you know, and that was a killer. I mean, that was a huge play. And, uh, but I thought Amadola, you know, Amadola has always been Mr. Clutch for that team. He's always been, never really been, part, you know, they got Brandon cooks, they got Edelman, they got Krog. Where does Amadola fit? When I, my last year there, I thought Amadola might not even make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to be, how's he fit in all these guys. Malcolm Mitchell's coming in, You
1: got Hogan to worry you got about Hogan
0: to worry about mm-hmm. Amadola, you know, and that was the year that bill really, And this is the brilliance of Belichick is bill was like, no, I'm going to keep Amendola on PUP. I'm I'm not going to put him on PUP because I'm going to bring him back. He was coming off an injury, and he was really the only one that wanted to do it. Like everybody else was like, "I'm not sure this is going to work out." You know how kind of not not the coaches didn't want Danny on the team
1: was like, but it was like a Welker situation where you yeah. know maybe we, we just move on and right let him and go so somewhere
0: else. and Bill for whatever reason just always knew there was something about Amendola that that brought that element to the team whether it was Super Bowl 49 and then eventually became Super Bowl 51 or today or any kind of playoff game. I mean, he's truly been an unbelievably valuable player, and Brady trusts him. I mean, mm-hmm. look at his face, and he makes great catches. That catch in the back of the end zone was great.
1: Yeah, but get those two feet down in the back of the end zone was sort of similar to right, the Antonio Holmes. They're trying, to throw, the, Holmes they're the trying to throw
0: the ball to Cooks over here. It mm-hmm. was a good, I thought it was going to be a pop pass to Amendola originally by the formation, but they were trying to run a Colorado route, which is come inside and then break out. And they kind of, you know, the one thing about the officials this weekend, I thought they did a great job of just letting people play, right? There was like, you we're we're here there tonight. There were no
1: holding calls today.
0: No, there were here. The Patriots only had one penalty. <laughs> yes. The only team that's only had one penalty in a playoff game, you have to go back to 2011, I think. And that was mm. the Patriots. Wow. And that was, you know, and that was on a, it was on a, it was on, a um, on a special teams play. So they let them get away with some kind of grabbing and holding and tugging a little bit today, but. But that play, when he didn't have it there, and then he came back, made a great throw, great catch.
1: I want to talk about two guys that were unsung heroes that ended up uh, sealing the game for the Patriots. First, Gilmore, a guy that they brought yeah. over that has, you know, a lot of people have said some things on the side of their mouth about what Gilmore really brings, especially with the contract that he has. But he makes a game-winning play on the the 4th and twelve, where Bortles throws it deep. It looks like he has a man open, has a shot. Gilmore makes a great play. I mean, he jumps up, gets his hand on the guy, swats the ball away, yeah. saves great the drive. Play. And then uh, he dropped
0: an interception earlier. Yes. I mean, on the same drive. I mean, the ball went right through his hands. Mm -hmm. You know, he dropped that interception and comes back and makes that play. Wow.
1: And then the next one is when they get back on offense, Patriots get back on offense. Deion Lewis, we're in a third-down situation. We're not sure what's going to happen with this drive. We may have to punt it back to give the ball back to Jacksonville. And Deion Lewis scoots runs outside. outside zone. Yeah, outside zone, gets 13, 14 yards, yeah. and it's game over.
0: You know, and that that run that Deion fumbled on, I thought that's one of the Deion's worst runs I've ever seen him because that play I thought was going to be a touchdown. And for whatever reason, Dion kind of broke it back in and kind of back into Miles Jack, who we really didn't talk about. Miles Jack's a great player. Look at that. He blew game. his knee out today. Yeah, he did. I think, I don't know what the report is. I'm you pretty heard, sure that's a report. I'll, I'll, let me I guess. hope it's not because that was the injury coming out of Kyle. I mean, he's a fabulous linebacker, and the speed that they have on that team is remarkable. And so I hope that's not the case. I mean, the trick play when he when the How Patriots had the
1: huge play and he just doesn't give up on it and strips the ball back out.
0: Well they run two trick plays in a game. I mean, think about it, Tate Frazier. They get the pass interference call on the one. But see, this is what this is what makes them so unique, right? They they know they have to have those. They've practiced those plays pretty much all season long. So when they need them, they're there. And that's the brilliance of what they do. They're so much they're so well prepared for every situation. And they needed those plays. I mean, that really kind of – and then I think what happened there, after that trick play and Dion fumbles – Jacksonville went three and out. I think that was the killer for Jacksonville. Jacksonville had a chance to really do something there.
1: And actually on that play, I, I just remember this as I was trying to think about running through that sequence. Jack gets the ball and gets up and takes off. Right. And they, th- and they blow the play dead. They blew the and, play and dead. They went crazy on right. the Jacksonville sideline. Right. The, I the think efficient. he might have
0: scored on that. Yeah, that, that would have been a touchdown, and you don't have touchdown. to worry about
1: the offense. Right. And that's I, what Jacksonville does. I mean, that's how they need to score almost with their defense. Right, but I,
0: you know, he when he rolled over with the ball, he could have been engaged with Dion. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't like I think it was a fumble. I think it was I think even if they would have called it a not fumble, I thought it because he did lose the ball, even though he had a
1: pin. He to his pinned head. it back. Yeah, they're to. Even Romo was saying the live preview. was like, "Does that count as he regained possession?" But it was almost too. Yeah, close I didn't think it did. did.
0: But I, you know, those next three, that three and out by the Patriot defense, there was to me the the, the plays of the game right there. That was mm-hmm. that was really the difference in the game. I mean, because. Jacksonville had the momentum. They got the turnover that they needed to have. I mean, Jacksonville went through this whole playoffs without turning the ball over. I mean, they sitting there, they said we're not gonna let Bortles turn this ball over, and they didn't, and they had a chance to win the game. I mean, shoot, they're throwing the ball at the end of the game to try to t- to at least, you know, make it 27, 24. But I, I thought it was really uh, those three plays, and the people asked on Twitter were saying, well, did they get conservative in the second half? No, I don't think I do not think Nathaniel Hackett, who I thought did a great job today. Caught a great game. Right. And I thought Jacksonville's offense was really well done. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think they got conservative. What I think they got is they ran out of place. This isn't who they really are, right? This isn't not, this style of offense isn't kind of what they do. They were trying to avoid a drop back pass game, they were trying to avoid everything in their power to make it so that Bortles didn't have to just stand back there, read coverages, and throw it. So they were, they did, and they unloaded it all on the first, and they got, you know.
1: And they tried to get Fournette going on the first downs, but it just seemed like over and over it was, you know, second and nine, yeah. second and nine, second and nine, because Fournette was getting quite bottled get it. up.
0: They couldn't quite get it, you know, and so – Whereas Philadelphia, now, the Eagles, that's their offense. They got a thousand of those plays from the spread formation where the bubble screens and this and that. So, the Cheesecake Factory, maybe. Cheesecake. Oh, they got them all. And they run them all. And Mm -hmm. they can run them all, you know? And so. Uh, where I I don't think I think it would be unfair to be critical of what Jacksonville did in the second half. You could say well they got a couple bad pass interference calls. Look, I thought the one call on the double pa- on the halfback pass back to to Brady that I mean the guy had him around the neck, yeah. right? And then the one call where the first the second the first touchdown for the Patriots he pushed him out of bounds. I mean the guy drilled the guy out of bounds. I mean that's pass interference. You can't do that. So you know for the most part. I think when Jacksonville looks back on that game, that,
1: I, that does come down a little bit to discipline at that point. I mean, they, they were yeah. almost testing him out. You saw Brady a couple of times when he threw those balls deep. He was sort of praying for the flag. I mean, he didn't wasn't necessarily had a chance for the catch, but he knew that if yeah. he threw it up, there was a chance for. a It's flag. gonna come back
0: to that third and eighteen play. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the play before he threw it up, you know, and it was I'm like, God, you can't make that throw. Now it's third and eighteen. You're not gonna get this third down. And next thing you know, Brady converts the third down and gets it. So, you know, I'm thinking in my head, God darn, you know, that you really made it tough. But look, can can we just spend a moment and talk about the greatest player of all time? I mean, really, honestly. Blake Portals? Yes. Well, we can talk about <laughs> him later. <laughs> I mean, truly. was. I mean, seven consecutive conference championship games, mm-hmm. right? And then he plays like he did today in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's really – without Gronk. Like, that's what people don't understand. Like, there's no Gronk. I mean, when Gronk was in there, it was – not that it was an easier game, but at least it took – they had to double this guy, right? Yes. Without Gronk –
1: And and even when he was getting doubled, I mean, Brady, when he got hurt on the concussion on that drive, he had thrown to him four straight times. Right. I mean, he pretty much decided we got to get back in this game. I'm throwing it to
0: Gronk every single time. Yeah, I mean, Gronk dropped the one over there by the Jacksonville bench, which you never see him drop that one. Usually, those those meat cleavers go up there. I always call his hands, they look like toilet seats because (laughs) they're like he wears those white gloves Uh and they literally look like a white toilet seat. They're so goddamn big. Yeah. yeah. They lower them down on the table because they're so damn big. But I mean, he did that and then he does it without and then really what happened was once once Gronk got hurt Dwayne Allen comes in the game and Dwayne Allen it would, they would have been they basically put another offensive lineman in the game cuz all he did was chip on the edges he had to help Cam Fleming out who was really going to struggle blocking either uh either defensive end for Jacksonville so by when Gronk got hurt it really the burden really fell to Cooks and Amendola even more so and then Lewis fumbled they took him out of the game you know and so i mean Brady just is like you just kind of knew it, didn't you?
1: Yeah, the whole time. I mean, I, I, I was watching with a lot of people that were pulling for the Jaguars just to be contrarian and pull for the upset, of course. Um, but the whole time, I mean, you couldn't even get excited because it, w- it was set up perfectly. Because the first stop that they had, when, when the Patriots got the ball back the first time and they have to pump back, you know, they stopped them the one time. And you're like, wow, I mean, they, they stopped Brady. But you know they go a quick three and out, punt it back to the Patriots, and it was go time. You yeah. know it was fun for about five minutes if you didn't want Brady to do it, but it was. was well, six
0: minutes to go in the game, and that's when he started that drive. They scored and th- with three minutes, well, a little more than like a little more it was than like two forty-eight, something like that. By the yeah. time they scored, and how about Devlin? James Devlin today. James Devlin was the greatest decoy of all time. I mean, <laughs> James Devlin was in the game and he lined up outside the numbers probably every single time, and somebody had to go out there and defend him. That's what James, against the Eagles, that's exactly where Devlin's going to line up. Are we going to be hugging those sidelines? You know, at some point I was like, maybe we should just cover him. see if Brady would actually look over there and throw him the ball. But I thought Brady threw the ball really good for a guy with a bad, what he had 14 stitches in his hand? 12 stitches, they said. 12 stitches in his finger. And so I thought he threw it really good.
1: Did you think uh they asked Brady after the game, you know, he said we'll see how you know, we'll see how it goes and, and then he asked how was it and you know, people went crazy because obviously they had won the game and the fans were all excited. I mean, are you concerned about his hand still going into the Super Bowl? I mean he does have twelve stitches. I know Bill Belichick said it wasn't open heart surgery, so he'll be fine. Yeah. But it, it's still twelve stitches in his hand and he's still not one hundred percent. We saw a couple of times Jim Nance mentioned <laughs> when he went down, he was able to cover his hand so he didn't fall on it. Yeah, it's and, so uh, smart. I yeah. mean it's
0: unbelievable. I, I I would say it's not going to be a problem for him. I think he's probably this week they'll they'll have a couple practices. I mean look, they're going to play a team that they know pretty well in the sense that Jim Schwartz worked for us in Cleveland Bill knows him Bill knows what he does he's had games against him in Tennessee when he was there and they practiced against him when he was in Detroit so it's pretty familiar with what they're going to do so the game planning will take this week before they go to Minnesota and practice up there so I think he'll get healthy I don't think he'll have to throw the ball very much this week
1: and we did see one time I want to talk to you about the the Tom Brady situation with him he had the Jaguars he sent a guy out he sent a running back out I think it was James White at one point out to the outside to see what the matchup was and they brought him Back in, and then they showed a different protection. Just what we were talking about, what the Eagles ended up doing in the second half. Yeah, and they they got Brady one time, right? And he got shook, and they sent him blitz, and he and he took right. a big hit. You can
0: get him once, you're just never going to get him twice. Okay, you <laughs> it's can like get a him good one.
1: shooter; he never misses the same shot. No, twice. no,
0: you're not going to get him twice. I mean, if you try to, you, and that the thing is, you can't unload that in the first half, right? Uh-huh. You got to save your best stuff for Brady for the fourth quarter, and that was in the second quarter when that they was in did the that. second quarter. so you got you got to save stuff for the second half, and I think what happened to Jacksonville a little bit too is they ran out of stuff in the, in the second half. I don't think they got – again, I'm going to say this. They didn't get conservative. I just think they ran out of stuff. You know, they really wanted to limit the amount of time that Blake had. Their offensive line – can we do a shout-out? I mean, I feel bad for Joel Solomon, frankly, a former guest on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, Patriot, uh, a Steeler fan through and through, right? I mean, having to watch James Harrison get close to Blake Bortles, which none of his Steeler guys ever did, was pretty remarkable, right?
1: And it's almost sad because it's exactly what the Steelers needed in that game to give him a little bit of jolt injury energy, just to get a pass rush in right. there. I mean, James Harrison every single time he came in, he somehow got a hand on the football or uh, he tackled a, I mean, well in space. Yeah, I, mean, it was, I mean,
0: he's you know, look, he's going to be good at it. I think he's you know, look, I, when they when they did it when they cut him, I knew he was gonna going to be going New England. Not because Belichick said it to me. I just know Belichick, right? And so I tweeted out like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know. And then the next thing you know, he's there, and and I there were you knew there was something left in his game, or else Pittsburgh would have cut him four or five weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. But they were holding on to him, and they just kind of like uh, and and I said this too, like when you cut him, you had to know Pittsburgh was going, New England was going to claim him, you had to know it, right? They they had nobody, they really struggled to set the edge, they struggled to play without rush the passer, you know, and that's going to come down to the game. The game, you know, we said this on Friday. Who was going to win the Eagle game? Minnesota it was going to be which offensive line play better? Clearly, Philly's offensive line played better. That's why they won. Same thing is going to happen in the Super Bowl. Whose offensive line is going to play in New England or that? You know, we'll see. I think it'll be Philadelphia because I told you I'm going to predict that for right now. I'm not. I don't like the matchups. I don't need to study it any further, but I think that's the case. Although New England's offensive line, I thought played much better in the second half.
1: All right, Lombardi, before we move on and do guest narratives for the week, we're going to take a quick break to get away from our sponsor, Hotel Tonight. Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect for if you're busy or don't want to over things plus you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else book next week tonight next month tonight book valentine's day or tonight doesn't matter it's great for last minute getaways or a quick staycation whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute and with hotel tonight's ht perks program the more you book the better the deals get so start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the hotel tonight app now should we do guest narratives for this week?
0: Oh God, yeah! I, the city of Philadelphia is just going to be un- unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, ESPN must have just moved five people. Sal Palantonio is going to have a He'd lot of not move anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's
1: going to be in Philly this entire Sal's week. Sal's going to run out of ties. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to
0: have enough ties to wear <laughs> he's on run out TV. Of suits, people, are, run out of people are going to recognize. I've seen that tie before, Sal. Uh-huh. You can't wear that tie. He's going to have a full grown beard by the end of this. Yeah, yeah. so he's going to be oh, covering everything. single. It's going to be unbelievable. It's gonna
1: be good. I, I just uh, when you think about Nick Foles and him being in the Super Bowl, and he's gonna get a lot of coverage now, uh, and, and this moment will become big. Like a lot of what happened with Case Keenum leading into this game, he became almost a household name all of a sudden, and people are wanting to get interviews. You know, everyone's on top of him. That's gonna to happen to Nick Foles. So one of my narratives is just to watch the Nick Foles media tour because there's gonna be a lot of redemption stories that are gonna be going on this yeah. week.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, look, I, I'm not the only one who thought that that Doug Peterson wasn't really the guy. Who's, I mean, when he got hired, Howie Roseman took a lot of crap for it. You know. Remember, he was hired when McAdoo didn't come down for the interview, mm-hmm. and so again, uh, I, I think, bet
1: McAdoo wish he would have come down now. Yeah,
0: I think so, and and obviously, look, the Eagles ended up at, at the time. The Giants thought they got one over on the Eagles, and now the Eagles have the last laugh. So I think he'll be the narrative. Second-year coach, really never called plays before in his life, really didn't have an extensive background. You know, he played in the league, but I think that's going to be the narrative is like, look at this guy, and I think people are going to try to copy that. You know, I know Mike Rabel got the Tennessee job. We still don't know who's going to get the Arizona job. That still remains to be seen, but I think Peterson will be the story because he's done such a remarkable job, and he's got to get credit for it, and I think that'll be the narrative. And then, look, the GOAT's got to be the narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, let's face it. Belichick and the GOAT. I mean, Belichick's in seven consecutive conference championship games, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. I mean, they should really call the Super Bowl the the Tom Brady Invitational, <laughs> right?
1: At this point, yeah. yeah. In the 21st century, it's been pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's, like it, it, it's so bad at this point that when they gave Bill Belichick the AFC Championship trophy, he just, he he just it threw back. it away. He just gave it to someone else. And they're like, Bill, hold on to it for a second, at least. Can we get a photo op? And he's like, I don't I want mean, this.
0: Yeah. I mean, so look, uh, they went there 14, that we didn't go in 15, went 16, 17. I mean, you're, you're never, Tate Frazier, going to see a run like this in any sport as dominant as this. And I mean, this could be. Because they have some serious issues in this offseason. They're going to lose two coordinators. They could lose three coaches. I mean, Brian Flores could get the Arizona job. Who knows, right? So they're going to have a lot of term change on their staff, a lot of players. It's going to be a fascinating, you know, could this be their last yeah, moment? This
1: is, yeah, this is the la- This the could be the highlight, the, the final chapter, the final ride for all these guys. Or they could just – re. I mean, we, a lot of people thought last year was going to be that. So you never right. know.
0: But I think this year more than ever, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, here they are again. And how much longer can Tom keep playing like this? How much How much can this Patriots keep dominating the AFC like this? I mean, it's really kind of remarkable. Again, I'm going to say this. As much as Blake Bortles played well, and I, and I grant you he played really good today, and I think Nathaniel Hackett should – his playoff run deserves an interview with some teams because he did a remark I – mean, if I was Arizona now and I don't have a coach, I would talk to Nathaniel Hackett because mm-hmm. this guy's done a really good job of the playoffs. And so – but but I think more than anything – I, I think you got to sit there and say, "Where is New England? Like this is just really remarkable. Nobody's going to be able to do this again.
1: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it it really does. Uh, you know, you have to pay respects to both Belichick and Brady for what they've done this entire ride. It's uh, it's, it's I mean, the last time, I mean, we the first time we ever saw this combination was in two thousand one. Right. You know, for context, there were some people that are watching these games right now that are going to graduate from high school that have grown up and just watched Tom Brady and Bill Belichick dominate football for their entire lives. Right.
0: And, and, and this is going to be – this will be, I would say, you know, we played Seattle in 14. They played Atlanta. You know, this is probably – the Seattle's offense was not as dynamic as Philadelphia. Of all the teams that they've played in the playoffs, I think uh, this will be the most complete type of team that they're going to have to play because they're good in all three areas. They're good in the kicking game. Their defense is really good as obviously what they did today. And then their offense, with, if Nick Foles plays anywhere near like he did today, it's going to be hard.
1: Uh, let's just do one award this week, and, and it's our favorite. And it's if if you don't know now, you know. Um, if you you got to know
0: now. Doug, Doug Peterson's a good coach, right? So we gotta, know it. We know it. We, we, get, we cash it. it in. We give it to him. You know, take our hat off. Look, I can. You know, like I'm not saying it just to say it. I'm I'm saying, look, the guy proved it. I think the one thing is, you know, you can you can be skeptical of people, but when a guy does something and you got to admit you're wrong, I mean, the guy did it, and so. You know, when you win two playoff games, they're hard to do, and you
1: make it to the biggest stage in football
0: with your backup quarterback. I mean, think mm-hmm. about how good they would be if with Wentz. But the point I was making earlier, or Peters
1: is, or Sturgis. I mean, you go down the list. Yeah, the guys well, I mean, a
0: New England has this bunch of injuries, yeah, but yeah. they're not playing with the backup quarterback. They're not, you know, and so there's whole there's a whole different there. But the point I was making still, when I look at Jacksonville's team, Tate Frazier, I, I think of what could have been had Deshaun Watson been their quarterback, and then I would say to you that team would probably would have run through pretty much everybody. Because that's really what what Nathaniel Hackett was trying to do was he took a little bit of what Kansas City did, a lot of what Kansas City did, a lot of what Carolina did, a lot of what Houston did in those early beginning of the season, spread the field, and he incorporated into what he did. And I think if he had Watson, oh, my. Oh, my. That would be – like and and that's going to be the fascinating thing about Jacksonville. What are they going to do? They know who they are. Are these two games going to convince them that Blake Bortles has turned the corner, or are they going to go out and get a quarterback?
1: Those Both the Vikings and the Jaguars are both in a situation where you have these two quarterbacks that have taken you to this point but now you're going to figure out if you want to buy in and say that they are the franchise, they are the future of the franchise moving forward, or do you want to say, these are the mercenary guys that got us here. We had the formula at every other position. We can find another guy yeah. at the quarterback
0: position. I think, to me, if you learn anything about the playoffs, is that if you have a really good defense and you can do some things, a bad quarterback, you don't have to pay a quarterback $19 million to do that. I think that's going to have to be Jacksonville's decision. Do I pay $19 million for a guy i got to manage, or do I pay $8 million for a guy i got to manage and use the $11 million, try to find a guy I don't have to manage. I think that's going to be the key question.
1: And we should say, uh, all four quarterbacks that were in the uh, championship weekend, all Under Armour quarterbacks. Are they really? Very interesting, right? a uh, nice uh, little that, nugget. I was trying to find one thing that they all had in common. And it was they all wow. are represented by Under Armour. Did you see
0: this Facebook thing on, on Tom Brady? Did you see that advertisement? No, what did he they do? They got some show, Facebook. I didn't even know. What they're like, He's got do, a
1: Facebook show now? Is there TV 12, the
0: show? They're going to be like, how is the longevity of Tom Brady? I, I'll tell you what, this is the best thing ever for the book. Tom Brady's book's probably going to sell even more. How many tasty cakes do you think they're going to sell in the next few weeks? Quite a few. Wawa is going to be
1: packed. Yes, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of people wanting those energy bars, those TB12
0: bars. Yeah, Wawa is going to be packed back in Jersey. I mean, there's every everybody's going to wear their Eagle shit tomorrow. (laughs) Like the thing is, like I'm probably like I would say there's probably going to be a million Eagle flags out by now. Oh yes.
1: Oh yes. Especially, I mean. It's crazy that the amount of Philadelphia people you meet around the world. I mean, whether it's Los Angeles, my neighbors, my they're everywhere.
0: I, I have neighbors in, in Ocean City that, that is, it's a great. They have a great family, and they have uh, they have five kids, and then they all have kids kind of like my kids' age, and then we have this one kid. Who's Andrew? Who wants to be in sports management? He works for the Phillies now, and mm-hmm. he's in sports management went the UConn. He's the worst of all Philly fans. <laughs> like he has, he's a Sixer fan. He's oh. an Eagle fan. Yes, oh. Fly, Flyer. Fa- I mean, he's them all. Villanova. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got them all. He's oh, covered them all. That hurts. I mean, I, I, I'm sure if he could text me tonight, he's going to try to kill me tonight.
1: And that, that's when my phone was blowing up because yeah. I have a lot of uh, Eagles yeah. fans that are all hitting me up already because um, they just want to congratulate themselves. And we want to congratulate Philadelphia because look, the parade route, you planned it. You were correct. You got We it. joked, but we're happy. You got we're it. Your vision you.
0: is way better than us. I mean, look, when you're wrong, you're wrong. You got to admit it. Look, you got to admit it. You're wrong. You got to say it. Hey, that's what it is, what it is.
1: And sometimes you just shed one single tear like Blake Bortles and keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, This has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This has been a fun run in the playoffs. We have one more game left, the Super Bowl. Mike Lombardi, thanks so much. We'll see you Super
0: Bowl Sunday, Tate Frazier. Yes, sir.